0: What's up, Capitalists? Are you enjoying the Great Awakening? Are you enjoying seeing the, uh, at least getting all uncomfortable and squirmy? I know I am. Hey, uh, it's your buddy Nate Hausman, and I'm gonna go over some of the, uh, economic, pop culture, and political news of the, of the day, and I'm hoping to make this maybe a weekly thing while I update my blog more regularly, but, um, daily, but hope you, um, get some value out of this. Now, if you want to support the uh, program, if you're watching this on Rumble or Odyssey, or if you're listening to the podcast, click on the link that says natehausmannet slash resources. And you'll find links to my uh, blog articles that I share from around the web. And you'll find links to um, some helpful resources like um, places where you can buy a cryptocurrency, invest in precious metals and gold, buy local food from local producers with the company Market Wagon. Uh, get started on your online business or, um, find ultimate business funding. These are all referral links and they, um, and I get a little commission with uh, every, uh, purchase that's made through them, but I pick these, um, links because I want you to succeed on your own terms. We're not going to take back our freedom until we take back our money. We do that with cryptocurrency and precious metals and a lot of us have, uh, fired our bosses over the, um over the vaccine controversy, so it's more important than ever that we make our own way in the world with with us, with our online businesses or small businesses. So please take advantage. Click on natehusbandnet slash resources, and also, I got some cool t-shirts and hats that you uh, can wear and start conversations with, so get to it. Now, looking at the uh, stock market today, we're just going to glance at CNBC.com because they're mainstream establishment flax. But, come on, come on, come on. I saw saw a few minutes ago and it looked like it was kind of a red day for uh, the overall stock market. The Dow, the S&P, stocks, stock futures dip after the S&P 500 wraps up the worst month since March of 2020. So, um, Isn't it just the way? So, it's not displaying on my screen right now, but just a few minutes ago, it was showing that the S&P was down today, the Dow Jones Industrial was down, um, pretty much most of the markets were down today, but Bitcoin is up. We go to Coindesk.com and, sorry, it's going so slow here. Bitcoin rises above $38,000 ahead of a seasonally strong February. Historically, Bitcoin produces positive returns in February, but risks remain. So, Bitcoin has been on a downward trend, just cramped about somewhat like like the stock market has, really since mid-December, so the last month and a half. Today is January 31st, as I record this. If you follow some of the uh, cryptocurrency channels on YouTube, like a really good one is Cryptozombie, I love that channel. They've done some um the guy the host does some analysis and we've been kind of in this um, descending wedge pattern with Bitcoin over the last month and a half. And usually a descending wedge pattern, even though it's trending downward, it's usually a bullish signal because about seventy percent of the time it'll break out of that cycle and go shoot up quite a bit. So Bitcoin returned above thirty eight thousand on Monday as bearish sentiment faded. The cryptocurrency is up two percent over the past twenty-four hours, versus a four percent rise in Ether, another cryptocurrency, over the same period. Metaverse tokens, Mana and Sand, were up seventeen percent and nine percent, respectively, on Monday. So, Metaverse tokens—that's all the buzz from some of the big corporations. Um, and if you got some money to to uh, throw around, you know, NFTs are probably a good way to flex, but. Just about anyone can get on the NFT, the NFT Metaverse bandwagon just by investing in Ether or Solana or Cardano. These are platforms where... These are blockchain platforms. They have their own native like, cryptocurrency tokens, but they're also platforms where you can like run decentralized apps. And some of the big NFT marketplaces like OpenSea, they run on Ethereum. So even if you don't want to pump down a bunch of money for an NFT... Or a or you know a NFT for like metaverse gaming, just invest in the native cryptocurrency on the on those ecosystems and you'll do fine. You can put down as many dollars as you want, as many or as few dollars as you want. The next article. It's been a downward it's been a downward trend last for the last month and a half for, for Bitcoin and crypto, but there are lots of bullish indicators. Lots of big developments here. This, this article from the street says, Crypto takes a page out of an old political book Political book in Washington. Big names in crypto have just founded a political action committee, GMI PAC, to weigh in on November's midterm elections. The cryptosphere is flexing its muscles. While the White House is working on a white paper to regulate the sector, um, the resident, the big guns and figures in the sector have just formed a political action committee wait and be heard in the coming uh, midterm election scheduled for November. So, cryptocurrency has the uh, banking system nervous. A lot of institutions are getting into cryptocurrency, but they're trying to like you know create a bunch of fear, uncertainty, and doubt so that you know retail investors don't buy in as much as they ought to. But, pay attention to what, you know, your uh, representatives of Congress, you know, invest in. Like, not just stocks, but Cryptozombie, today he uh, reported that a lot of members of Congress also invest in cryptocurrency. So, take a look at that. Here's another big development. A bill introduced to make Bitcoin a legal tender in the state of Arizona. Senator Wendy Rogers introduced a bill... Make Bitcoin a lawful currency in the U.S. state of Arizona. Now it's up to the uh, federal um, government, Congress, to uh, determine what you know legal tender is. But if enough states and local governments make you know make a big deal out of, out of Bitcoin, maybe they'll um take notice. You know, Bitcoin is being promoted heavily by the mayor of uh, Miami. Um, by the by the new mayor of New York. Um, there's lots of crypto mining going on in Texas, Bitcoin mining, which is where you know you um, run powerful computers and and work um, e- equations to help p- power the uh, Bitcoin network. So if enough, local grassroots and state level you know, you know, movers and shakers, making enough noise about Bitcoin, it's going to be, you know, acknowledged by the federal government. And, so, now, now, right now, while it's down, and just started to show signs of going up, now's the time to buy in. That's not financial advice. That's just, you know, that's not meant as financial advice. That's just what I'm doing. I, I, I've I, been buying the dip for the last couple weeks, and just Think about it. Now, going back to stocks, one stock that has actually done well today, Monday, January 31st, is Spotify. As soon as the uh, article comes up here, Spotify stock moves higher amid Joe Rogan controversy. Citigroup upgraded the stock, but slashed the price target. Shares of Spotify Technology are up 8.9% to trade at 190. 190- following the streaming platform's decision to create a COVID-19 information hub in response to controversy surrounded alleged misinformation on Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm glad they said it's alleged misinformation because if you're, if you really want to like figure, figure out if Joe, Joe Rogan is spreading misinformation, listen to the damn program. The great thing about the great thing about Rogan is he doesn't, you know, state or make declarations of what is what he thinks is true or not he listens to his guests he asks probing questions he asks you know intelligent questions he asks questions that help help layman understand the topics and he lets the guests he lets his guests you know speak freely and anyone who you know edward Stone probably said it best the people who are most upset about the Rojo Rogan podcast are probably people who never listen to it. So, I've seen this sort of thing ever since 2003, when I started listening to the uh, Rush Limbaugh Rush Limbaugh radio show. I would listen to uh, Rush, you know, his complete program during the day, and then I would turn on the evening news and see how they um, chopped up, edited, and distorted his uh, sound bites. It made it sound like he's saying something completely different. I've known about the corporate media's editing black ma- dark magic for many years, ever since really the Iraq War. So, the best antidote to uh, misinformation is just listening. And, and don't be so concerned about a person's title. Listen to their evidence, and I even have that on one of my T-shirts. So uh, pick that up. Joe Rogan blames disparaging media for a distorted perception of his podcast. More of the same here. Joe Rogan released a 10-minute video defending himself Sunday as pressure mounts against him at Spotify over his podcast's COVID-19 content. He said those who don't listen to his pod to his hit podcast. The Joe Rogan Experience might have a distorted perception of him, based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. He says the problem that I have with misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as facts. Said Rogan, whose recent episodes of, on COVID-19 regulations and vaccines caused Neil Young to pull his music from Spotify in protest, Joni Mitchell and Nils Lofgren started to pull theirs too, and Spotify announced this weekend. The disclaimer will now air before Rogan's show. For instance, Rogan said, a eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. He defended his choice to have vaccine skeptics like Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough on the podcast, explaining that they have opinions that differ from the mainstream narrative. He said that he wants to hear their opinions and let his listeners hear them too. But because of that, those episodes were labeled as dangerous. And this is straight out of be from Vendetta. You know, um, have you heard? Have you heard the? Have you seen the meme going around social media? A lie hates to be questioned, but but the truth doesn't mind it. So if you're secure enough in your in your position that you're that you're able to defend it, you don't mind being questioned. If if you know you're a BS artist, you're going to go off, you're going to go off the rails when someone asks a simple question. Maybe are you in like a relationship or a work environment where you really can't bring anything up, sense the topics up because someone might, might, you know, blow the top. That's what we're, that's what we're dealing with right now in the media with um, the political elites. They're not, the elites because everyone listens to them. They're, they've they gotten in their position of power because they're manipulative and we're afraid to cross them. And we shouldn't be. So, going on, moving on, let's talk about some of the pop culture goings on. So, still related to uh, the stock market. Reed Hastings just bought $20 million worth of Netflix shares following Bill Ackman. Follows Bill Ackman that stock will rebound intense time for the streamer. So Reed Hastings, he's um the co-CEO of Netflix, and Netflix shares are down along with most of the other big corporate stocks that are publicly traded. So the CEO he just decided to uh buy some of them, buy some shares at a discount. Now that's, that's common practice for CEOs. Big executives billionaires and millionaires they tend to be corporate executives and most of the compensation comes from company stock like either stock or stock options or futures they do have salaries but usually those are only in the um, maybe six figure range and they might get they might get you know bonuses too but stocks are where they make their fortunes so one thing i want i always want to encourage people to do don't just work for wages or a salary Work for assets. Assets are greater than money. Ever since, you know, the dollar was taken off the gold standard in 1971, you know, working wages have not kept up with the price of good products and assets. So invest in gold. You can invest in Bitcoin. Invest in stocks. I mean, the stock market goes up and down, but in most, but the macro trend in the stock market is it keeps going up and to the right. So, and that's where... And that's where the that's where the wealthy really make their money like a lot of them don't a lot of them have had bank accounts but most of their money is in assets they'll even buy artwork or uh, classic cars and just keep them pristine in their garages just because they're worth they uh, retain their value over time so Keeping up with the Hollywood, the movie and entertainment news. Film producer Ryan Cavanaugh explains current exodus of Hollywood VIPs from California. How many times do you have to see feces in the streets before you you just don't want to be here anymore? So this article from Bounding at the Comics basically roasts the state of you know, California, mainly Los Angeles area and San, San, San Francisco. Now, I, I meet people when i'm out and about some some people are from california and they're either visiting from out of state or they're um or they have moved to to uh my um neck of the woods and they say most of california is okay it's just the uh, big cities are just awful and overly expensive according to film producer ryan Kavanaugh, the ongoing exodus of hollywood and business bigwigs from california has been facilitated in large parts by the failed policy decisions of the state's leaders. And it's failed it's the failed policies because the Republicans pretty much packed up and left. Like they they gave up on they gave up on California years ago. It's now a one party state run by the Democrats, and the Democrats, led by Governor Gavin Newsom, they've dropped all pretense of their um so called liberal values. There's those. No, we have to make a distinction between liberal and leftist. Liberals, liberalism is a good thing. It's where you, you know, it's where you advocate for the disadvantaged, you help the dis- people who are disadvantaged, it's where you promote arts and sciences, it's where you support the rights of women, whatever. That's not what the Democrats really are about. They are phony liberals. Which I call, you know, which we need to call leftists. Same with the socialists and communists. They're just, it's all front to them. The founder of Hollywood production company Relativity, Relativity Media, whose credits prior to his departure include the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, and The Social Network, Kavanaugh provided insight into the rising exit of celebrities from the Golden Sea during a recent interview with The Wrap. Noting that he was continually losing ever more faith in California's leadership on the issues of homelessness, crime, and business support, Kavanaugh told the outlet, I grew up here, I grew up in Brentwood, and I was allowed to be on the streets. Now I would never let my kids walk alone in Brentwood. How many times do you have to be out in Los Angeles and see feces on the streets before you just don't want to be here anymore? The financier added. It's not the pandemic, it's policy. Kavanaugh then argued, but the newly concerned elites are only now noticing the consequences of city and state governments' growing leniency towards crime and their lack of attention towards the state's ongoing homelessness crisis. To the lifting of pandemic lockdown orders, as remote work and stay-at-home mandates allow them to, to ignore the reality around them. And a big reason why there's a homelessness problem is people can't afford homes. Um, I've I mentioned in a previous art pre, previous uh, podcast months ago that you really need to be making six figures just to have like a single family home in California. It's totally unsustainable and people either have have hoity-toity tech jobs or media jobs or they're probably sharing space with their families or roommates and foregoing having kids because they can't afford it. They really can't afford to start a family or they end up on the streets. Kavanaugh also expressed concern over both potential economic fallout awaiting the state's economy and the loss of a seat in Congress thanks to the population loss caused by this exodus, telling the rap, if we lose Hollywood, we're going to end up with a pretty bad economy. The story film producer is not the only one to take notice of California's deteriorating condition. Just last week, State Governor Gavin Newsom found himself in disbelief have recent images of Los Angeles' train tracks littered with looted packages, asking reporters, what the hell is going on? We look like a third world country, he exclaimed. These images, the drone images that were on the nightly news day in and day out, some networks weaponizing them for their own political agenda, and others just reporting the damn news. So, like, if if Gavin Newsom was that stuck up that high up in the ivory tower that he didn't realize it until now, that just goes to show how how broken the elites are, and just how or not just how out of touch they are. So that's some of the goings on in corporate entertainment. Another big, another couple uh, big stories in corporate entertainment involve video games. Now, a few weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, Microsoft, the makers of Xbox, they produced the gigantic, you know, third-party game publisher, Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard makes have made some of the most, you know, well-regarded franchises ever. Like Blizzard is behind World of Warcraft, um, Overwatch, uh, Diablo. Activision they um, they they make call they make the Call of Duty franchise. Activision and Blizzard merged several years ago, and they've been under the leadership of Activision CEO Bobby Kotick. But they've had problems the last few years. Like they've had, you know, people quote. They've had um some they've had some fiascos with um players in Hong Kong over um they uh, actually banned uh, one of their game players who one of their star players who um supported who uh, supported. The protests in Hong Kong, uh there there was the whole um state 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 of California lawsuit against Blizzard for um sexual harassment and uh sexual um and um sexual sexual harassment and um limited opportunities in the workplace and activism has just been pounded by gaming gaming fans over the years for their greedy microtransactions. Like, they fill Call of Duty up with so many, like, in-game purchases, and they actually, you know... A lot of a lot of these gaming companies, they actually... stifle your progress, like, in building your character stats. They actually stifle your progress unless you buy, like, either experience boosters, or special weapons, or special items. So, they actually... Actually, in a way, force you to um pay more than the initial asking price for buying the game. So, Activision and Blizzard have just been on the downward trend over the last few years. And now, Xbox has scooped them up for $68.7 billion. That's like the biggest acquisition in gaming history. But, Xbox. Xbox has that money, like they are part of Microsoft, and Microsoft has so many other, you know, ventures going on. that They have the money to spend. Another big scoop acquisition just happened this week: Sony buys Bungie for 3.6 billion dollars. Uh, Bungie were the makers of the Halo, were the creators of the Halo franchise, which was big on Xbox years ago, but they went independent and have made um the Destiny franchise, and now Sony has bought them. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, AAA corporate video game companies being either bought up or making mergers. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a, we're going to have a situation where only a few major game studios are really going to be in existence or they're going to be like, beholden to, you know, the platform holders like, the Sony PlayStation, the Microsoft Xbox, hopefully not Nintendo, because Nintendo has shown many several signs of like supporting independent games. Like the Switch has been a haven for that, and so has uh, the Steam Marketplace on PC. So, which is, I'm going to follow this blog more often. Indie Games Plus. I don't have any like articles I want to read on it now, but there's a there's a huge indie. Um, independent game movement like you can um, you can you can gather together a small team of developers and artists and make make you know an independent game thanks to uh modern technology that looks pretty comp- comparable to what might have been possible maybe in the 8-bit or 16-bit days or um in the um playstation 2 or playstation 3 era it's not that hard to uh, make a uh, maybe a retro style or throwback style game and kind of like tug on the nostalgia, push the nostalgia buttons of of older gamers. So that's something that we need to pay attention to. Independent game independent artists are going to really carry the um, yard forward if they're allowed to thrive. Speaking of independent artists. Independent comics creators are doing gangbusters. Now, you, you might hear about some of the um, po- political goings-on like DC Comics or Marvel Comics. We've had like pretty much 20 years of straight, huge box office success for superhero movies and superhero TV shows. But the comic books that those pr- franchises are based on have been struggling for like at least ten or fifteen years because of mismanagement at DC and Marvel. So a lot of a lot of artists and writers they're going independent. They're going on to um, crowdfunding websites like Indiegogo and getting you know raising money directly from fans to publish their own create their own characters, create their own stories like this one. Graham Nolan's Giant-Sized, Two-Fisted Manly Tales promises multiple tales of toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity, quotes because they're being tongue-in-cheek here. This is from Bounding It's Comics. Bane Bane creator Graham Nolan recently launched a crowdfunding campaign for his latest book, Giant-Sized, Two-Fisted Manly Tales, that promises multiple stories of toxic masculinity. Bane is like the very famous uh, Batman villain. Graham Nolan must be the... uh, author who created that, or the artist who created that created him. Noel describes the book in its indie yoga page stating, Giant Size fisted Manly Tales is a collection of knuckle busting, lip splitting, teeth spitting tales of action and adventure that celebrates what has become known as toxic masculinity. These are stories of men as protectors, warriors, adventurers, and soldiers having to rise up and do the right thing, sometimes a great personal sacrifice. This book is the reaction to the demonizing of masculinity in the current soy-based world. Now, soy-based is mo- mostly contained in corporate media, like corporate comics, TV, and Hollywood. The reason why Spider-Man No Way Home is such a huge hit is because there's no identity politics in it. There's no um, deconstruction of the superhero you know, formula. It's a solid, straight-up superhero adventure about you know an earnest, you know hero who wants superhero who wants to do well. Like I said, Peter Parker is probably the greatest you know fictional character ever. As Spider-Man, he he really is the great world's greatest hero. And you know this, new, this the latest movie lets him do his thing. In fact, there are three there are three Spider-Man from you know from three parallel universes. You know, they've got, they've got Tobey Maguire wire and Andrew Garfield, who have uh, played the character in previous movies. They, um, they open up the multiverse and people love it. Not just men, not just white men, but women, women of color, men of color. Everyone can relate to Peter Parker because he's so, so awesome. And I bet people can relate to this. You know, it's okay to be a guy. It's okay to work out, it's okay to have, do tough jobs. Now, if you're, um, now if you're being, bu- if you're, bu- if you were bullied at school, or if you were like, if you weren't so good at sports, hey, there's a way for you to, um, remake yourself. If you're not so good at sports, try martial arts. I know that worked for me, like, I was terrible at sports when I was in high when I was in high school. But when I was in college, I discovered Taekwondo, and it changed my life. I am—I've um, had three different Taekwondo teachers, and I finally uh, earned my black belt like a few years ago. And it's—it changes your outlook. It changes your it changes the way you carry yourself. It makes you more confident. It makes you better able to um, handle adversity and handle challenges. So. There are ways to build up your testosterone, your um, your confidence. I mean, don't don't let yourself be prescribed by pop culture. Listen to uh, people who have find mentors. Find, listen to people who have succeeded in life and follow them and support independent comics like this. Here's another area of independent comics that's big. That's, that's growing. Substack. Now, Substack is a website. So maybe some of you have, uh, discovered it. It's a, a place where bloggers and independent journalists can make money on directly from their, from their, um, readers. And something I'm thinking of thinking of, um, doing like, I'm actually writing a novel right now. Uh, a sci-fi mystery novel with a, a very confident, optimistic main character. And I'm thinking of either self-publishing on my website, or publishing individual chapters on Substack. But look at this. This is from IGN.com. Why Substack is suddenly one of the most important comic book platforms. Substack is betting big on comics, Here's what's on tap for the company's big launch day event. 2021 was full of big developments in the comic book industry, but the year's most surprising twist didn't involve traditional superhero icons like Batman or Spider-Man. Instead, it was the news that Substack was getting, getting into the comics distribution game. A company best known as a platform for subscription newsletters is ready to take on Marvel and DC. They've already snatched up some major creative talent while lining up superstar writers like James Tinney and the Fourth, Jonathan Hickman, and Kelly Thompson as a start, fans have only seen small glimpses of what these creators have in store for with their new substack projects. That finally changes in 2022. So some of these names like J- James Tinney and I've heard he was um he was one of the top writers of Batman comics up until he you know, up until he left DC. So um I don't know all these names, but they're pretty... Supposedly, they're pretty big. Like, I haven't read Mason Comics since I was in high school, back in the 90s. But... This is a very, very, you know, exciting time for for comics. Comics in the United States... Comics in the West aren't really dying. They're changing. You know, Marvel and DC are, you know, almost lost leaders for for their parent companies. But... Anyone who's anyone who's um has a good story to tell, could probably you know succeed on their own terms, either through crowdfunding or publishing online. And Substack is great for you know independent journalists too, who aren't you know beholden to their corporate overlords at CNN or Fox or ABC or MSNBC. And that really bothers Chelsea Clinton. This article from Quoth the Raven, by way of Zero Hedge, Chelsea Clinton attacks substack authors as grifters. Chelsea Clinton wants to talk about grifting. That's just great. So do I, says the author. The fruit apparently doesn't fall that far from the global elitist narrative tree. Perhaps looking to ride the coattails of those ganging up on controversial anti-vax misinformation. Read any uttered thought not handed down by Anthony Fauci from the heavens above. Or perhaps looking to drum up support by her Twitter sycophants. Chelsea Clinton, the daughter of Bill and Hillary Clinton, took to her Twitter account last week to lash out a Substack for providing a platform for free speech and for people to voluntarily subscribe to newsletters they're interested in and willing to pay for. Wow, sounds nefarious, Chelsea. We're glad you stepped in. The first daughter took exception to the anti-vax grift, so-called, that's supposedly taking place here on Substack, citing a Guardian article written last week as her source. A group of vaccine-skeptic writers are generating revenues of at least $2.5 million a year from publishing newsletters or tens of thousands of followers on the online pl- publishing platform Substack, according to your research The Guardian wrote last week. Why is Substack facilitating science denialist ability to profit from destructive lies and comfortable pro- profiting themselves? Clinton asks. Well now if you had now if you had an open mind and in intellectual sovereignty, you would um you know the answer to that. Because they're not. But elites like the Clintons want to shame you and publicly humiliate you into going along with their, with their narrative. They want to make it so socially, you know, dangerous to express your opinion. They, they want, they actually, they actually want you to not make a living, but Substack is turning their that around, and that's a great, great, you know, development. So I can read the whole article because we're going to move on to uh, two individ- two individuals who are also worried about vaccine and COVID information. Pope Francis criticizes social media for allowing misinformation to spread the pope targets social media algorithms. Yeah, I used to like this pope. I'm not Catholic, but you know, I as you know, as a born again Christian, I support I try to be supportive of all denominations because I feel like we're all part of God's family. But not all churchgoers, not all church members are really that genuine. And Pope Francis is showing his true colors every day by day here. Pope Francis said, aside from the pandemic, there is an online infodemic spreading. Pope Francis made the remarks on Friday while addressing the Catholic communicators at the Vatican. He said that he appreciated their efforts in revealing fake news and partial or misleading information about COVID-19 vaccines. We can hardly fail to see that these days, in addition to the pandemic, an infodemic is spreading, spreading. A distortion of reality based on fear which in our global society leads to an explosion of commentary on falsified, if not invented news, he said, referencing those with doubts about the efficacy efficacy and long-term effects of the vaccines. So, the vaccines aren't great just because the Pope says so, or because the World Health Organization says so. They need to be backed up by, you know, scientific research and really the research is still going on normally a vaccine you know takes about takes several years to be clinically tested and they just rushed this out over the last two years and even though several republicans including the rightful president donald trump they've said you know you should ought to take the vaccine they also say you ought to have the choice of whether you take it or not and that's very important that's you know That's something, this is still something that we're we're working out here. Um, People have had side effects. And anyone who um, points those side effects out, like I said, has been shamed. So, has been called out for, you know, targeted harassment. WHO WHO director praises Neil Young's Spotify censorship demands. So, earlier this week, singer-songwriter Neil Young told Spotify to either remove his music from the platform or ban Joe Rogan. The World Health Organization chief has now applauded Young for his censorship attempt. Young feels Joe Rogan spreads misinformation by hosting guests who oppose the public health body's narratives on COVID and its vaccines. Unsurprisingly, Spotify chose to remove his music and continue hosting Rogan's podcast, which is the most popular in the world. On Thursday, Who chief Tedros Adhanan... uh, Gabrielsis, applauded the rock artists for standing up against misinformation. Now, Chief Tedros here. Um, I think most... Anyone who's listening to uh, this program, they probably know that he's in the pocket of communist China. And it is such a uh, huge projection for all these leftists to accuse free thinkers of misinformation because disinformation has a long and dark history among communists. You don't need to read it right now, but look up the book Misinformation the book titled Misinformation, written by Ion basically General Ion Mihai Pachepa He was um the highest ranking intelligence officer to um defect from the Soviet bloc in the late seventies. He was the uh director he was the head of intelligence in Romania and his book is full of facts, evidence, uh, resources, references to prove how communists they distort and twist public you know public knowledge and create myths or false myths around, you know, innocent people like Pope Francis is not that great of a pope. But Pope Pius XII, he was very heavily, badly smeared by the communists. He was the pope during you know, World War II, and some people say, oh, he was actually a Nazi's, Nazi, Nazi um, sympathizer. Well, General Pachepa's book blows that, you know, story out of the water, because Pope Pius, he actually saved thousands of Jewish lives by giving them a refuge in Vatican City. So, Read the book when you have time. It'll it'll um it'll open your it'll open your eyes a lot to uh ways of the far left and the communists. But point I want to make here is they're practicing projection here. Projection is a tactic not just of you know leftists but narcissists in general. If you're if you've ever been in an abusive relationship and You've been accused of the very things that the accuser has done. That's projection. You might be in a toxic relationship, a toxic work environment, where you really can't express yourself. I want to um make expose the common thread between abusive relationships and abusive governments and abusive elites here. That's what we have going on right here. So we're getting close to the end of this of this program. Speaking of communists, what has China been up to in relation to the Biden family? This is from the New York Post. Uh, the Chinese elite have paid some 31 million dollars to Hunter and the Bidens. This is my this is a guest column by Peter Schweitzer. He's these were in some great books in the past, like um like um Blackmail. About how Washington politicians and uh, corporates, corporate corporate lobbyists, they kind of have like a, either a blackmail or bribery relationship, and they there's a lot of money is made in Washington D.C. by corporations in order to um, prop up our so-called elected leaders. Peter Schweitzer has come out with a new book about. The uh many misadventures of the Biden family. For those wondering why Joe Biden is soft on China, consider this never before reported revelation. The Biden family has done five deals in China, totaling some thirty-one million dollars arranged by individuals with direct ties to Chinese intelligence, some reaching the very top of Chinese spy agency. Indeed, every known deal that the Biden family enjoyed with Beijing was reached courtesy of individuals with spy ties. And Joe Biden personally benefited from his family's foreign deals. What are these deals? And who are the individuals who made them happen for the Bidens? Here then are a few key facts about the Biden family's $5 million plus deals with individuals in bed with Chinese intelligence. So Bohai... I won't read all of them, but I'll just kind of list them. Bohai Harvest RST um, Bohai Harvest RST it's um, an investment fund in China. Now, a lot of these are like either investment funds or hedge funds. And number two, Burnham Asset Management. Ber- Hunter Biden had another company called Burnham Asset Ma- Management. According to, court, according to court documents filed by disgruntled investors, Harvest Global Wired Burnham, $5 million. So, Burnham Asset management must be—well, um, it sounds like a hedge fund or investment rest, you know, fund, supposedly, but it's probably a shell company. Hunter deal number three: Hunter teams up with China's Dragonhead payout. Dragonhead. Uh, Hunter Biden had co-founded a firm called Rosemont Realty, and as early as 2011, he was looking for a Chinese buyer. Rosemont Realty owns commercial buildings around the United States. He had a little of luck initially but then he and his partners received an unsolicited offer from a Hong Kong based firm called Gemini Investments to buy his firm what is Gemini the company is controlled by something then called Sino Oceanland which was also chaired by the head of China Ocean Shipping Corporation so and any Chinese corporation is probably you know an extension of the uh, Communist Party government deal number 4 CFC China Energy that's look, energy again. What else? What other country has Hunter Biden been doing business in terms of energy? Ukraine. And kinda makes me wonder why we're making such a fuss about Ukraine and Russia right now. It's because the president of Ukraine and also the president of Russia, they know what the Democrats have been up to. They've got they've got the dirt. Deal number five, CEFC's Patrick Co. Uh, Hunter Biden received even more money from his relationship with CEFC and Yi Ming. Uh, one of Yixian Ming's he's, Patrick Co. was arrested on bribery charges. So... Patrick Co. let's look up at the uh, graphic then. Top lieutenant for Yi Ming, who's one of the uh, other deal makers. But, um... Basically... Hunter Biden makes a lot of deals with in- investors he either brokers deals or he um he owns like shares in whatever whatever comp- whatever hedge fund or wealth management wealth management firm and he's got his, he and his family they've got their fingers in everything and it, I want you to follow we're gonna we're gonna end this um, program on another Substack article, but another a sub-sec, one Substack uh, blog I recommend you um, follow is uh, Devolution by Patel Patriot, and one of his later posts in that series is um, an article about the Carlisle Group. They're they're um, a wealth management firm that's got the fingers and everything from like um, defense contracts. To um, energy, to um, dinner parties with Ghislaine Maxwell. Yep. And a lot of these money managers and Wall Street types, they are like joined at the hip with the elites in Washington. So, this is a small club. So, what can be done about it? Well, the regular people are making the voices heard in the stock market. With Bitcoin, Um, they're following Joe Rogan. They're supporting independent culture culture creators, and we're also supporting you know independent journalism on Substack. Finally, we're not going to read this whole article, but just kind of give you a taste of what's going on here. This is the article by Technofog on Substack. Has Peter struck? testified before a Durham grand jury. And what has Durham collected thus far? So, in this post, I'll be detailing the evidence, testimony, and documents we know, or can assume, Special Counsel John Durham has obtained during his investigation. Now, John Durham, he's a Special Counsel, might be like an independent investigator, appointed by President Trump during his first term. He's still, Trump's still still the rightful president. Don't let, you know, the media tell you otherwise, and devolution will prove that. The devolution series will prove that. But John Durham has been in the background. He's been quietly building a case since really 2017 about Spygate, the Russian collusion, the Russian collusion hoax, and all the uh, dirty laundry in the Department of Justice. So, just looking at the uh, headers here, he's got grand jury testimony. The following witnesses... is. Some identified name by name, others give a general description in Durham's filings, have testified before a grand jury. They are former FBI General Counsel James Baker, a former FBI Assistant Director for Counterintelligence. We are confident this is Bill Prestap. Peter Strzok, who was um, at the center of the whole Russia game. Mess. Daniel Jones, who was... um, not sure who he is. Charles Dolan. Dolan is the likely ally source of the uh, steel, primary source Igor Danchenko. So probably a go-between. An FBI special agent who served as a case agent for the FBI's Alpha Bank investigation. An FBI headquarters supervisory special agent assigned to the Alpha Bank investigation. Two former employees of DARPA, um, identified as agency one in the Sussman indictment. So. It goes on. So thir- 15 different bullet points here. And some of these bullet points mention multiple people. So John Durham has been steadily and quietly gathering information and now it's starting to uh, become public. So it just goes to show that corruption is being dealt with. It may look like it's not, may, may look like nothing's happening, But you gotta um, trust the process, you know. Q Q, Q followers always say trust the plan. I haven't followed. I barely follow Q much except when I listen to uh, the X2 report. But just just gotta follow your Just gotta get in touch with your gut. Listen to the little fire that's kind of, you know, um, working on inside you, and let that guide you. And you'll realize that things are going to work out. We're seeing people, you know, make their voices heard. We're seeing the, um, trucker convoy in Canada. We're seeing Rogan blow up even more in popularity. We're seeing, you know, the elites expose themselves. 2021 was the year that secrets were revealed. 2022 is going to be the year when we act on that. When we, um, Get people into con- get people into Congress, not necessarily Republican or Democrat, but patriots who um care about the rule of law. We're gonna fix our elections, we're going to um fix our money, we're gonna take control of our economy, and things are things are looking up. The only reason it looks bad is because the elites are desperate and they're getting rash and reckless. So keep a stiff upper lip. I will leave you for now. I just want, I just want you to know, this is Nate Hausman, letting you know that it's okay to stand up for yourself.